Hello everyone, it's me JR and I'm back with another K-drama slash movie episode after almost 8 months. If you didn't know, we've been releasing our season 2 episodes of the K-Pop Sunday podcast since July, so definitely check those out if you haven't had a chance to yet because we've been covering some really great topics and we worked really hard on them. Anyway, let's jump into it. I'm going to be talking about four K-dramas, one movie, and touch on some things that are expected to be released in 2022. I'll be giving short synopses and I'll try to keep the spoilers to a minimum, and unlike my last episode, I won't go into the specifics of these shows, like the directors, writers, or where to watch them, but I do recommend checking those things out for yourself. Let's start with the shows first, and I'm going to begin with the one that I found to be the most disappointing of the bunch, and honestly of the year, and that is Luca the Beginning. Now, Luca is a bit of a difficult one for me to talk about because I wanted to like it so badly, and unlike most Korean shows, this one is only 12 episodes long. So, you would think that means they can't mess it up. There's not enough time to ruin the story. No. (laughs) Around episode 8, it goes completely downhill and undoes all the incredible things that it had built up. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's head into the synopsis so I can give you a little bit more context. It stars Kim Rae-won as Zio, a superhuman with no memory of his past life, and model-turned-actress Lee Da-hae as Hanul A. Gurum, which is, yes, a very long name, I'm aware. (laughs) And she plays a no-nonsense cop with a deep pain from the loss of her parents. The two of them cross paths and form an unlikely bond as they both work to uncover the dark workings of a cult and a scientist and his lab. Okay, so that's just like baseline of what happens in the show. My thoughts on it as a whole are that the amount of potential this show had was unlike anything I had seen in years. The chemistry between the leads was compelling, the side characters were interesting, and the plot itself looked like it was going in a cool direction. The suspension of disbelief was there because this man has actual, like, fly and jellyfish DNA in him. So that kind of allowed me to let things slide. But one thing that actually kind of bothered me is the fact that Idahe's character was essentially invincible. She was in multiple fights, but came out fine after every single one of them. And I could look past this, even though that part kind of bugged me. However, like I said, after episode 8, characters started to act completely out of character and make decisions that were nonsensical, and it went downhill fast from there, to the point where I was so disappointed in the last four episodes, and it became a chore to watch them, which is never a good sign in K-dramas. It was truly the most unfortunate thing I've ever encountered in a K-drama to the point where I can't even recommend it because those last four episodes just kill any good thing that was left. So while I really enjoyed the first three quarters, anything after that was just kind of a dud for me. Let's go on to what I thought to be the worst K-drama of 2021, and that was Oh My Lady Lord. This one also kind of pains me to talk about because I really love the lead actors and I was super excited for this one to air because I thought they would make such a great pairing. But this one, (laughs) I don't know how many of you guys watched Meow the Cat Boy last year, but it was NBC's lowest ever rated drama and this one, All My Lady Lord, knocked that out of the worst ever rated drama slot. So if that tells you anything about this show. I could do a whole episode simply on the dumpster fire that is 
this K-drama, but we'll see if that'll ever happen. Probably not. It's just a mess. Anyway, synopsis. It stars Yiming Yi, a drama writer who is about to die. However, he miraculously gets some more time on Earth. This is explained near the end of the show, but I won't go into it because obviously it's a pretty big spoiler, even though I do not recommend you watch it. Anyway, during this extra time that he has, his mother sells his house to a top actress played by former after-school member Nana. Yiming Gi can't write anywhere but his house, that is now Nana's house, so he moves in to finish his drama and obviously hijinks ensue. So my thoughts on the show, it was just trying to be so many different things that it ended up not being able to do any of them properly. It tried to be a mystery, but it was also supernatural, but it also had a romance at the heart of it. And it also contained one of my most hated tropes, and that is, quote unquote, I'm going to have a nasty breakup with you because that would be so much easier than telling you I'm going to die. <laughs> I just... I find it so frustrating. And the fact that it ended up being rated solo is not shocking to me in the slightest. I think that if they had focused on one of the things or taken one of the things out, it would have made for a much more interesting drama. It would have been a lot more cohesive, but the way that they ended up doing it, it just did not pan out. Moving on. The most surprising one for me was Yumi's Cells. I wasn't planning on watching it because I wanted to read the webtoon first. However, the webtoon is over 500 episodes long, which I did not know at first. And right now on the webtoon app, it's on FastPass, so I refuse to spend that kind of money or wait that many days to get free episodes because it will take forever. However, the trailer was so cute that I had to check it out. So it stars Kim Go-eun as Yumi, an accountant at a really big company, and she goes on a date with An Bo-hyun's character Goong, who is an indie game developer. For the most part, this is kind of like a slice of life drama, which some may find boring. However, the shtick is that inside of Yumi lives a series of cells that controls her thoughts and actions. And these cells are CGI animated and really adorable in my opinion, and I just think... It's a great addition to what could have been a kind of boring drama otherwise. It gave me adult Inside Out vibes, and that actually worked incredibly well. I feel like some people will hear that and go, eh, maybe not for me. But the CGI was pretty great for a TV show. It didn't look choppy or unfinished. And the pacing between the real life and the cell world was really well done, in my opinion. Goon and Bohyun had incredible chemistry, too. So overall, I thought it was really adorable and had a lot of really relatable moments. Also, I found the supporting actors to be really enjoyable. It's been so long since I saw EUB in a show, and it was so fun seeing her in a role that was so different than usual. I feel like she usually plays kind of a quieter, more mousy type of character, but she was so brash and loud in this one. I just, I loved seeing her take on something different. Jin Young also did great, so I'm really excited to see where his character goes in the second season. Honestly, I'm excited to see where everyone's character goes in the next season. I thought that the first season ended on a really great point. I think it'll be a great stepping stone into the next season. The next K-drama that I want to talk about is what I found to be the best K-drama of 2021, and that is Beyond Evil. This one I could also have an entire episode on, but for an entirely different reason, because at this point, I think it is without a doubt the best K-drama I have ever seen on multiple fronts, if not all. So let's get into it. 
Shin Ha-kyun stars as Lee Dong-shik, a small-town cop with many secrets and a desire to solve the 20-year-old murder of his sister. Playing opposite of him is Yo Jin-gu as Han Ju-won, a hotshot soul detective that is transferred to Shin's town. Together, they work to solve a recent murder and get to the bottom of the serial killing mystery that has been going on for quite a few years at this point. Okay, where to start with this one? I have a lot of things to say. The plot is actually so well written and weaves points from the beginning up until the very end. Something that you may have pushed to the side at the beginning is brought to the forefront and explained over the course of multiple episodes later on, and I've never seen any show do it as well as this one did. I just was so impressed with how well it was written. The cast is actually impeccable, the characters feel real, and you're constantly questioning the actions and motives of these characters. It does a really good job of making you wonder. Besides the main leads, some other actors that stood out to me were Choi Dae-hoon and Choi Seung-eun. I don't think there's any relation between them, but they do have the same last name. And the whole cast overall just gave really incredible performances in my opinion. Next point, the suspense was unreal. You never quite know where the story is going or what a character is going to do. And let me just say this. I watched this show with my sister. After every single episode, we sat there for at least 10 minutes discussing what had happened in the episode, how the next episode might play out, and if something that happened in the episode we had just watched will pan out in the next few episodes. I said episodes a lot of times there. I apologize. We sat there theorizing for so long, and we were honestly very happy with the ending, which is something that I cannot say for many K-dramas. I feel like a lot of K-dramas start off well, similar to Luca, and then just end abysmally, similar to Luca. Anyway, after all this praise, I do feel like I need to give a little bit of a warning. The show is graphic. Not Squid Game graphic, but there are a handful of disturbing images throughout, and the general plot is quite heavy, so I do suggest going into it with caution. Otherwise, I do think it is an actual 10 out of 10. Highly recommend. Finally, let's talk about a movie that I was pleasantly surprised with, Sweet and Sour. Now, I've mentioned this in the past, but I tend to only watch old Korean movies. I don't watch a ton of new ones just because they're a lot harder to find and places like Asian Crush have a lot of old ones. And I usually use Asian Crush when I watch Korean movies. Anyway, Sweet and Sour came to Netflix, so I was able to watch it. It stars Che Soo-bin, Jang Ki-yong, Crystal, and Lee Woo-jae. The plot of this movie is honestly kind of difficult to explain, but the most simple one I could give would be that Che and Jang are a couple that has been together for quite a long time and their relationship becomes strained. The reason I enjoyed this movie so much was because I didn't see the end coming at all. I'm sure some people would find it boring. I tend to find those shows and movies the most compelling, the ones that others find boring. Why? I don't know. I'm not saying that I can see something other people don't. Maybe I just like boring stuff. It's not groundbreaking up until the last few scenes, in my opinion. Usually, I'm really good at catching twists, but I was completely blindsided by this one, and I thought it worked out fantastically. That being said, I know this will not be for everyone, but I think it is well worth the watch. The last show that Che Soo-bin was in was A Piece of Your Mind, and I absolutely love that. Another one people didn't enjoy. It was actually cut short, very sadly. But 
I was super excited to find this movie because it was so accessible on Netflix and it is one of the few things she has acted in in the past couple of years. As usual, she did an excellent job and I found her character to be compelling from beginning to end, which I know other people might not agree with, but I don't want to let anything slip, which is why I'm being so vague, so I strongly suggest you try watching it for yourself. That's all the media that I wanted to mention for this past year. And of course, I watched many more dramas, but these were just some of the ones that really stood out to me for better or for worse. If you want to see my takes on other K-dramas, my newly minted Tumblr will be in the description. I write about them there. It's been kind of dead lately. I'm going to revive it very soon. Anyway, let me talk a little bit about some of the things I'm looking forward to next year. If you listened to our IU episode a few months back on the main podcast, then you will know that she is going to star in a sports movie called Dream with Pak Sojun. Now, I'm not big on sports, but I do like both of the actors, so I am excited for that reason. I just hope I'll be able to find somewhere to watch it. Another show that I'm excited for is The Sound of Magic because it stars Ji Chang-wook. Love him, except he's had some very questionable drama choices the past few years since his discharge from the military. Again, another episode, another time. But the aforementioned Choi Sung-un and Hwang In-yup are in it, and I am very excited because it's been a while since Hwang In-yup was in anything. I think he was in True Beauty. That's another one I watched. Terrible. Very disappointing. Anyway, we'll talk about that another time as well, I'm sure. Oldar and I might have a whole episode just on True Beauty. A lot of people have been saying that Yumi's Cells Season 2 is coming out next year, so... I'm definitely waiting for that one. Not sure if it actually is. I don't think it started filming yet, but I did see that Shin Ye-eun is possibly going to make a cameo. For those of you who don't know, she was in a K-drama with Jin Young a few years back called He is Psychometric, I believe. I like that one. Not my favorite, but it was pretty good. And the final one, but definitely not the last one that I'm looking forward to, is Tomorrow, starring Roan and Kim Hee-sun. Now, I actually didn't know about this until I was researching for this episode. I don't really stay too up-to-date with upcoming K-dramas until they come out, but the synopsis for this looked super interesting. I won't go into it here, but I'm very intrigued, and I suggest you go check it out as well. Honestly, there's so many interesting-looking K-dramas and movies that are coming up, and also a lot of good ones that I'm sure I didn't watch this year, so if you have one that you think I might not have seen or I might have missed somehow, do tell me about it. I'd love to talk about it in the future. And I'm just excited to see what this next year holds. So thank you for listening. And I hope you look forward to our final K-Pop Sunday episodes for this season. If you enjoyed the episode, then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and tell your friends about our podcasts. If you want to interact with us or just see more of our content, then you can follow the Sumbays on Twitter at KpopSumbays or on our other social media platforms, which will be in the description. Thank you so much, everyone, and have a great holiday season. Bye!